Welcome back to Men in Balance. We're talking now with Ann Rick, who's a retired registered nurse. Uh, welcome, Ann. Thank you for joining us. Okay. I'm glad to be here. So you spent a fair amount of your career in as a registered nurse uh, with addicts, but you spent some time before that, what, in labor and delivery? Is that what you said? Right. I was a labor and delivery nurse, right. Wow. And I've, I've been for 21 years now in substance abuse for 25 and and you're also what you gave me a title which I forgot never registered. I'm a licensed licensed addiction uh, chemical dependency counselor. Okay, my first retired. En- retired. My first encounter right. with you, of course, was at the Dilworth Center, and um, right. so I I heard you speak there one day, and I was so captivated by what you said, I just wanted to share that with other people. So let's just talk about the whole nature of addiction and what your take on it is. Have you got sort of a summary of of how you see addiction? Well, addiction is a primary illness. It's not a symptom of any other underlying disorder. It is disorder. And uh, the nature of the disease is to take the drug, whatever it is, alcohol or other drugs, until you're dead. Whether you want to or not has nothing whatsoever to do with it. So you know, people think we, could, we would quit if we wanted. That's, that's, that's what normal people do. Right. Not addiction. And so the, the disease is the allergy that makes addicts react in a certain way to... We react differently to the drug. You know, uh, the normal person, after they have one or two, they're starting to feel them, and they say, I better stop. The addict says, I need more. Mm. Uh, and that, that's his reaction to the drug. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I could ever come up with in, in recovery, I think every human being searching life is a search for wholeness. A search for one himself is God and his fellow man. The person with a chemical dependency, once he feels the effects of that drug, uh, his life becomes a search for that feeling. And he's doomed to do that till he's dead unless somebody stops him. Yeah, wow, you just said a, a mouthful there. I just want to go back and go over some of that. So are you saying, as I've heard other people say, that addiction is a disease of the spirit or a vacuum of the spirit? Well, it's, it's body, mind, and body, mind, and soul. Like it affects the whole body, you know, yeah. our, our thinking, our feelings, or our lack of. Right. Uh, it's a threefold disease, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. Now, no, there is no other part. I know that you are in recovery yourself, but talk a little bit about right. your years of dependency before you went into recovery. Well, I'm one of those impaired professionals. You know, I was a nurse, and practically my whole nursing career, I was I was addicted. I I took the drug first for severe toothache. I I took a Percodan, which is a narcotic, and my life became a search for that feeling that I never really reached again. I would take a whole lot more drugs than that. I was compelled to repeat that experience. Uh, no choice. And and you were managing other nurses, as I recall. Is that right? Right. I all phase of nursing. I, I I have chemical dependency. I'm a dry, I consume large amounts of drug, and I can function function very well. In fact, I have to be, beat everybody. I have to work harder than everybody because I have to prove to them that to me that I'm okay. You know. So uh, the person with chemical dependency, they, they can function real well for a long time. Not when they get in late stages of disease that they're, they're not able to uh, deal with it anymore. So is there, re- yeah. is there any real difference then between an alcohol dependency and a drug dependency as far as how the people react to it? Well, I think the, I think the big difference in my mind is the cost of the drug. Alcohol is legal, it's cheap, uh, and it's, uh, different drugs affect people differently. You know, some, some addicts, alcohol doesn't well, live drink because they have, no, they have nothing else, but it doesn't do for them what the drug does, and it's the same opposite too. Uh, the alcoholic, he may use other drugs because he has nothing else, but it doesn't suit him as well as the alcohol does. Mm. Individual physical things. 
So how did you... But they both lead to the same place. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, the, the, the only outcomes are death or recovery, right? right? Jails, yeah. institutions, or death. Yeah. So how did you get into recovery? What led you to finally decide? I was, I was stopped. You know, I, I, I was uh, diverting narcotics from my job. I was stopped. And then I had a good friend uh, who, in the end, realized that I had an alcohol problem, too, and she was the reason I got to Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, that's why I have to be kind. I like sometimes you hear us in the program talk about Earth people. There are plenty of people out there who are willing to help us over and over and over again, and they're not chemically dependent themselves. Yeah. But I needed to be stopped. All those people, like Elvis Presley, Jimmy, Johnny Hendricks, all of they needed to be stopped, and nobody stopped them. They so enabled them to go on and on and on. In the um, in the commentary that I heard you make uh, some years ago, you talked about how Alcoholism tends to kill people's ability to feel. Is that? Is that well, it's, you know, when they when they used to want to cut somebody's leg off before they had anesthesia, what they give them? They gave them alcohol. Hmm. You know, deaden your feelings. It's a, it's a depressant. Alcohol is an alcoholic. It's a central system is depressant. So it uh, so it absolutely cuts off the pain, the physical oh, pain, right? Right, right, right. But what, well, that's what we're doing. It's so painful. It, it you know, it contracts. Contrary to all our values, we, we get into that denial, you know. Uh, that's why we have to have a reason to do it, you know. Nobody can do what they know is wrong until they get it around to right. Yeah. So we have a million one reasons why we're doing it, you know. If you're married, you know who, you have my kids or whatever. But the bottom line is we're chasing that feeling. We're just chasing that feeling. So were you married during most of your dependency? I was, yeah. I was. And you somehow <laughs> got through that? I still am. 55 years. <laughs> oh, you really? Yeah. Well, you know, we, we had four children. My husband couldn't leave his children. A lot of my addiction was hidden because it was narcotics. You don't smell a boob. You don't get that falling down drunk, you know. it's. Uh, uh, I pulled it off mm. lots of times for a long time. Right. And is that pretty commonplace in the medical profession or not? I don't think of incidence of chemical dependency. If it's 15% in the general population, it's 15% in the medical profession. But what you, you have the medical, you have uh, more, more uh, options for other drugs. You know, the, the person who's not in the medical field, they'll probably just use alcohol. They'll go to their doctor's for alley and Lysanex or whatever. It's just a higher incidence of addictions to drugs other than alcohol. That's so, my feeling. So back to the issue of feeling again, I, I seem to have noticed that uh, people who are dependent sort of lose their connection with others, and that that may be one of the first signs. Oh, in fact, is that right? It's the disease, the disease of loneliness. You know, I can't, I can't talk to you because if you really knew me, you wouldn't like me. You know, I'm so ashamed of myself. Now, I, I overcome that with a lot of bravo. You know, yeah. but underneath, I I feel not as good as. And if you if you knew me, you wouldn't like me. You know. Well, so this notion that a lot of people talk about that they felt different from other people at the beginning well, and that alcohol helped yeah, with that. Yeah, but, 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 but I, think, I think all people, well, nobody is born with great self-esteem. As we, as we conquer things in life and we do, we get to feel better about ourselves. We get to learn that God don't make jokes. That's not what happens. We all feel that. You know, we don't feel quite as good as growing up. I think all, all people feel that way. Uh, but then the addict starts to get into the drugs, and, and uh, he doesn't know that most people feel that way. When they grow up, it's difficult to grow up. Adolescence is difficult for everybody. You know, and I used to think, well, it's, it's easy for them, hard for me. 
not easy for anybody. Right. We have all the same character defects as, as normal people. And now it gets drugged and distorted and blown out of abortion where normal people get their things under control. Yeah. You know? so, so just to be sh- make sure I'm clear on this, so most everybody would have this feeling of inadequacy or different from other people, sure. but sure. some people find medication through alcohol or whatever that makes them think it, that's going it away. It's brave. Yeah. yeah, it makes the all difficult things. It makes it easy, you know. And you get that feeling of ease and comfort, and we can conquer anything. Yeah, meanwhile... But then when the drug wears off, we've, we've, we've uh, uh, went against our value system, and, and we get to feel guilty about that, you know. We don't grow up to know that we're okay, and God don't make jokes, you know. Right, right. So so this idea of the spiritual side of uh, alcoholism, it seems to me that... Um, once people go through recovery, they rediscover their own spiritual nature. Is that your observation? Well, we first have to get to, to know that spirituality is different than religion. Spirituality is the part of the man you can't see, his heart, his soul, his guts, his courage, his attitudes. And the chemically dependent develop real negative spirituality, full of fear, resentment, self-pity, dishonesty. You know, the normal person will conquer all that I mean, nobody's born with great self-esteem. As they grow, they, they learn that they're okay. When they do the right thing and it works out good, uh, that doesn't happen to the person who's chemically dependent. When I look back at the big book and 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 all of uh, Bill Wilson's writings and the yeah. efforts that he went through to get to the 12-step program, it's just phenomenal right. that he was able, ever able right. to, to get there. He, he was... Uh, he was a go-getter. I mean, and he had to—he had to help. You know, most of us we get better by helping others. Yeah. You know, and he and he recognized that. You know, that he had to help. And of course, he worked with a lot of people who didn't stay sober, but he did. <laughs> yeah. So, so in, in the final analysis, isn't that really the key? It's not just getting sober, but but oh, giving right. it away. Well, you know, we've we've got to re- be repeopleized. We got to we got to push that chemical dependency out of there, and 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 become a part of the community and helping people helps us do that uh, that gives us a feeling of well-being or if we help somebody or it's just uh, we're so alone you know it's hard to explain wow. well uh, the program that we do of course is for men trying to help them with their own spiritual needs and so forth uh-huh. so if you if you were giving advice to men about uh, sort of determining whether they may be on the road to alcoholism, what would you say to look for? Yeah, are they already drinking too much? There's no thing as a little a little bit of alcoholism, like being a little bit pregnant. Mm-hmm. You know? And if you or anybody you know thinks you have a problem with alcohol, you have a problem with alcohol. And there's no, it's just where on the scale are you? you know? So by the time you recognize it, it's already there big time. By the time you recognize it, somebody's probably hit you in the head with a two-by-four. To <laughs> <laughs> um, get your attention. Yeah. You've got to remember, you know, they, they got they got the monkey saying, I can't, I can't imagine going my whole life without without catching that buzz. What you really got going on is subconscious that believes drugs necessary for survival. People would do anything for survival. And and, and the, 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 it doesn't want to see that the drug is the problem, because if the drug is the problem, it's the solution. The drug's got to go. And by drug, I mean alcohol, too. It's got to go. And the person they can't think their, their subconscious thinks they can't live without it. So uh, people will do anything to, to survive. 
And that's, that's what your denial is all about. It's a fake. Uh, but it can also be the fatal part of disease. Yeah. So, so yeah. why is AA so successful then? I mean, uh, people are having to physically get off the dependency, but they're also making big changes in their attitudes about themselves. Right. And First of all, they, you know, once a person gets to AA, and once they realize they're alcoholic, they can never not know that again. And they may go out there and drink for a number of years more, but it'll never be the same. Their guilt will be overwhelming. Uh, the reason, one of the reasons that the program works is, is it, 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 it replaces that chemical dependency. We need to repeople people eyes. It's very, it's very, it's simple yet it's complicated. You know, it's uh, it's very hard for the person who uh, who's not in recovery to understand that. You know, it's uh, it's a very profound illness, and the nature of addiction is to take the drug to your dead. Whether yeah. you want to or not has nothing whatsoever to do with it. Right. So. So how many people tend to relapse? Is there a, is there a percentage that tends? Well, you know, we don't we don't keep any. You know, it doesn't keep any. It's hard to keep any statistics. But my my gut feeling is, once the person gets to AA, you know, when I started AA here in Charlotte, we had like eighty meetings a week. We have like hundreds now, right. and that's basically because of the courts. The courts are sending people to AA. Once they get there. They may not recover right away. Some recover right away. Some, some are going to go out there, but once they know, they can never not know again. And I believe outside of outright catastrophe where they die, most will be back. Mm. Most will be back. You know, they say you can't help somebody until they want help. That is simply not true. If you wait till we want help, most of us just die. You know, you've got to force us to do something. Wow. Of course, so, of course, have a lot of leverage. So getting, so getting someone into AA is a great step, even if they are not... Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, if you, you wait for us to want help, most of us will die. We'll, we die waiting to hit bottom trying to figure out the real problem. Is. Right. The real problem is the drug. You know, that we have an obsessive compulsion to repeat that experience of intoxication. It's very complicated. Yeah, it is. And, and yet <laughs> yeah. it's so and simple, yet, really. It's very complicated, and yet, and yet it's so simple. The drug is the problem. Yeah. You know, if, if you have if you have a clinical depression and bipolar or you have two problems. Hmm. You've got to take care of that addiction first, you know, because you can't treat anybody successfully for anything. Plus, you need to, the people need to get off the drug to see just what we have going on. You know, we're, we're diagnosed as uh, sort of psychiatric uh, uh, because we do crazy things. You know, we wouldn't do those things if we were sober. You know, so we get all these different labels. And the worst thing you can do for somebody who's chemically dependent is suggest to them that their problem is something other than the drug. Yeah. They love to hear that, you know. Right. And we wouldn't have to stop doing the drug. Well, I know that you, um, I assume you are still making the rounds and making speeches and trying to help people with the problem, are you, or are you totally retired now? No, no, I, I do some lectures in different places. Yeah. Do you yeah. still enjoy doing that? Do you find that helpful? Oh, yeah, you know, and I have a lot of uh, stuff I want to share, you know. Yeah, you've got some experience, we got huh? we got to help, you know, we got to help. Yeah, so <laughs> so in a way, that's your way of giving it away, is it not? That's it, that's yeah, it. Yeah. And besides, the longer the longer I'm sober, the more fun the 12-step program is. Yeah. It's not all about me, me, me anymore. You know, I can watch the newcomer come in, and I can listen to him for a few weeks, and then I could say something, and he'll say, how did she know that? Well, I've been listening to him for a few weeks. You know, right. It's not all about me, me, me anymore. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, it's, and it's great. I mean, it's it's uh, we get to witness the miracle of recovery. I mean, I was at a meeting this morning, and the one girl there, she picked up a year. 
when she put me in that program, she couldn't even tell us her name. She was so wacky, you know? Wow. And you get to watch that recovery take place. That's got to be a miracle in the making, isn't it? It's a, it's a privileged thing, you know? Yeah, truly. Well, our time is up, and thank you so much for sharing with okay. us. And thank you for the time you spend helping others and the time you have spent over the years helping others. And best of luck to you, and uh, thanks for being with us. Thank you. A delightful interview with Ann Rick, a retired nurse and a registered chemical dependency counselor. Thanks so much, Ann, for being with us. I'm Jerry Hancock from In and Balance. Thank you for listening.